episode 91, Chris Fredericks. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Have you been considering an ESOP plan for your organization? Did you know that you can start with a partial plan? That was news to me, and I want to know more, especially because a large group of our past guests have mentioned their ESOP structure and at the same time are leading amazing organizations. There's something about ESOPs and employee engagement going together, and I want to learn more. So today, we have Chris Fredericks, president of TVF. Chris has led the company through ESOP adoption, the implementations, has lived the results long enough, and is a passionate advocate of ESOP structures. So let's get with Chris. All right, Chris Fredericks, welcome to Gut Plus Science. So ESOPs have been mentioned on different episodes in the past, but we've never done a show focused solely on ESOPs. I'm excited to learn from you today on this topic. Let's definitely talk about the influence they have on employee engagement. And I want to really just share your journey over the past decade of building your ESOP as well. Let's start with the basics first. What is an ESOP? In terms of what an ESOP is, it stands for an Employee Stock Ownership Plan, and it's essentially a retirement plan that's authorized by federal law to hold shares of a company's stock. And it's very similar in function to how 401ks uh, work. They actually are governed by very similar regulations and things, but the asset that's held is is the company stock instead of mutual funds and, and equity uh, ETFs and things like that. So an ESOP is is usually formed to buy and hold the company shares as part of an ownership transition plan. Uh, and generally speaking, the employees don't invest their own money. They receive an annual retirement benefit, essentially shares of the company stock. And that is usually spread out over a long period of time. Many companies, including ours, you know, do it over the course of decades, you know, 20 or 25 years um, to basically benefit future employees. Talk about how ESOPs can be a great option for a company owner regarding their endgame. So ESOPs in general are in some ways an underutilized exit option still. There are a lot of boxes that they check for business sellers, uh, not necessarily every situation, uh, makes sense for an ESOP, but I think a lot of uh, small businesses could utilize ESOPs as part of their succession planning process. Uh, so a few of those kind of boxes that they check for potential business sellers, one is you do receive uh, market value for your business. There's also potential tax benefits, both as part of a transaction and then after a transaction for the company as it continues operations. Using an ESOP to transition the business can minimize like disruption in a lot of ways. You know, usually when a business is sold, new ownership, they're going to come in and potentially change leadership or look for ways to change operations, sometimes significantly. With an ESOP, you're able to uh, accomplish an ownership transition, but essentially keep the same team intact, the same business and culture intact, 
and just kind of push forward into a new future. Some of the other things that I think to highlight still uh, in terms of benefits for a business seller, especially a business seller who really cares deeply about the employees and the future of the business, an ESOP is a great way to reward those longtime employees and to instill or you know continue a really strong ownership type culture. Similar to that, there are just longstanding benefits to being an ESOP for that seller, which like legacy. So you know, supporting the employees and their families and the communities that they've built their business in. ESOPs are a great way to ensure that that continues going forward. The last one I think is also similar to that uh, is just that ESOPs are a, a permanent equity structure, meaning if they're well-managed, they can last forever. Many times a typical business buyer and maybe a financial buyer, like a private equity firm or something, they will probably want to sell the company again at some point. So you know, ESOPs are an alternative to that that's more permanent in nature and can provide a lot of peace of mind for a business seller. Chris, you know, you've had quite a bit of experience um, with this and seeing the outcome. Let's start, though, with sharing your experience on the process of creating an ESOP and what's most important to know in the considering or the planning process. The first thing to do is determine the actual outcome you're looking for. So, for instance, you know, do you want to do a partial or a full ESOP as an end result or what? Does the, uh, the owner want their role to be post-transaction? Because there's different options around those things. The second and extremely critical element here is to find the right advisors to guide you through an ESOP process. There's a, an entire community of advisors, and by that I mean you know attorneys and accountants and others uh, who specialize in ESOPs. And that's critical because ESOPs are just a slightly different animal when it comes to the regulations and things around that. So accomplishing an ESOP transaction, there's a best practice for it that's been established over the last couple of decades. And following those best practices can prevent a lot of heartache and challenges. So the first step, once you've identified the right advisors, is to hire a trustee. And that, that trustee is going to oversee the ESOP transaction uh, because an ESOP is a separate trust that gets created. And once that trustee is hired, that independent trustee, in conjunction with ownership of the business, they will hire legal representation for the ESOP as well as a valuation firm to value the business. And once they've gone through the valuation process, then the seller and the trustee will actually enter into arm's length negotiations for a transaction. So it's like any other transaction where a business gets sold. It's a true uh, negotiation process uh, to ensure that the sale price is, is a fair one for both the seller and the buyer, in this case, the employees. Once they go through that process, they come to an agreement and execute. And then you know there's further steps along, but that's that's kind of the big picture of how an ESOP transaction happens. You said an ESOP can be a partial or a full plan. Tell us about the difference in the two. So a full ESOP transition would be one where 100% of the company shares are sold to the ESOP in a single transaction. That's maybe maybe the most commonly understood you know, version of what an ESOP company is. 
But in reality, there's a lot of ESOP companies out there that are considered partial ESOPs. And what that means is just that less than 100% of the company was sold to the ESOP. And this can be any any percentage that a seller you know wants to accomplish. So there's even like 10% ESOPs out there. To me, what's so interesting about a partial ESOP is they can be part of a a step-by-step process to become 100% employee-owned eventually if a seller wants to have a longer-term process in place to accomplish that. But alternatively, they can also remain a minority ESOP where the purpose is to introduce an element of employee ownership into a company because a seller wants to maybe take some chips off the table, but they also want to really back up their belief in culture and ownership by uh, making employees partial owners of the business. And this is, to me, a fantastic way for ESOPs to be incorporated into a lot more companies where 100% ESOP isn't necessarily the the desired outcome, uh, but for owners who really believe in uh, culture and, and employee engagement. Share your experience in seeing the ESOP make an impact on your company culture and employee engagement. When I took over in 2010, that's when we essentially accomplished our ESOP transaction. And TVF at that time had a really strong culture in certain ways, but in other ways, I would say, you know, we were severely lacking. So under previous ownership, we had what I would call a high performance culture with high standards. So success was key and, and everyone knew that it was critical for the business to have really high standards for how the business is run and performance was a focus. But at the same time, TVF was kind of old fashioned. It wasn't the most employee friendly environment, uh, not necessarily focused on things like engagement and being a great place to work. So with becoming an ESOP, I made that my my number one focus to kind of improve the culture and really instill an ownership culture and, and really make TVF a modern, great place to work. Uh, we started with asking and listening. So just getting around first and, and finding out from the team, what would they like to see happen? And we started that with some employee surveys um, around that time. We started doing uh, the Gallup engagement survey back then. Since then, we've we've switched to Amplify, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with. We have found that to be a phenomenal tool for understanding our team's engagement and what they're feeling, how things are going for them. Another one that's worked really well for me is just a simple one-question survey on a quarterly basis that goes directly to me. And that one question is just, do you have any questions or suggestions for the company? And it's intentionally short and anonymous and actually leads to some really interesting questions, little things to big things. And I think just that consistency of, of making sure people can get directly to the leadership on things that are on their mind, I think that's really important and has worked really well. We have used some different gratitude type programs over the years. So what I mean by that is just putting in place some sort of peer recognition. We've tried to do these in, in ways that are fun and not not super formal. So like one of them, it was called the, the Green Pig Program. Everyone received like a plastic pig piggy bank and everyone got tokens and 
you basically would hand out your tokens to people as a way of saying thank you for something to give recognition. Uh, and then at the end of each month, you know, you do a raffle based on how many tokens people have and, and give something away. But it's just, you know, trying to make it fun, trying to, you know, gamify it a little bit. That's an idea that came from our team, not from top down. We've tried to do a lot of these types of things from a bottom up approach so that we're not just telling everybody how we're going to do things and be engaged. We've definitely become a lot more employee friendly with time off and flexibility. And then we've significantly improved our communication and transparency around things like company performance and plans, just just in general, you know, keeping people more in the loop. Back in the day, there would be times when people in suits would walk in the office and no one would ever know who they were or why they were here. Those are the types of things leaders don't think about sometimes is like people wonder what's going on and who these people are. So just trying to keep everyone in the loop on a consistent basis about what's going on and in, in the business or on a day-to-day basis has been really helpful for us. You know, I'm curious how the ESOP model impacts collaboration or faster adoption on new initiatives at TBF. How have you seen the ESOP influence like employee buy-in on change or any part of the change process? It can be a really powerful part of it. And it goes back to that, that bottom-up approach that to be a true ownership culture and ESOP culture, I think you have to involve people earlier in the process than maybe one would otherwise. We've tried to do that more consistently with any significant projects. We had a significant ERP project back in 2013, where we transitioned from a really old legacy system to a modern ERP. And those are big, scary projects. And the way we ended up going about that was to make sure we had key people from throughout the business, from every department, at every level, involved in the entire planning and execution process. So it wasn't just our managers and our leaders involved. It was individual contributors who represented their teams and they were key components of the entire process. They were part of every step. And going about it that way significantly increased the chance of success. And we had a really effective ERP transition. So having everyone involved from that bottom-up perspective really worked in that sense. You made the point that ESOPs are not a fit for all companies. So talk about potentially how we know when it's maybe not the right fit, and then also some of those other options. In terms of fit, really, it comes down to what the the outcomes are that the a potential business seller is looking for. If, for instance, if it's a family business and they really want to keep the ownership, you know, in the family, then obviously ESOPs aren't going to be very consistent with that. But in terms of alternatives to ESOPs for actual succession planning, co-ops are good options in certain situations. And then also there's a form of ownership called employee ownership trust that's kind of like an ESOP, but different. For companies that don't want to have employee ownership be a succession option, but they want to utilize employee ownership or shared company performance in terms of compensation as a way to support a culture, then there's lots of forms of equity compensation or synthetic equity that can be used 
and more just general kind of profit sharing approaches. So Chris, tell us what's on the horizon for you and TVF and your continued support of employee ownership? We've been really fortunate. We've had a great decade and we're also looking for ways to kind of challenge ourselves to do more and invest you know, our resources. Uh, so one thing we've launched recently is a, an entity called Empowered Ventures. The idea of Empowered Ventures is that we're looking to buy businesses that want to become employee-owned, but don't necessarily want to go through the entire ESOP transaction process on their own. So they would actually join our portfolio of companies and all their employees would join our employee ownership program that we've already established. So that's something that we're really looking forward to and excited about. Thank you so much for your mentorship. We're going to take a quick break, hear from our sponsor message today, and then come back to our lightning round to learn more about our guests. We'll be right back. As we transition into the new normal at work, it is imperative to start thinking about creating a safer work environment for employees. And for businesses that use time clocks, Ascensus is helping make the transition easier with its launch of CarePoint, a completely touchless time clock experience with features like temperature checks and other configurable symptom prompts, voice command capabilities, and Bluetooth beacon technology to track employees' locations and eliminate the need for cards to interact with time clocks. To learn about how our partner Ascentis helps with CarePoint so you can create a safer environment for your workforce, you can visit www.ascentis.com forward slash CarePoint. All right, we're back on Gut Plus Science with Chris Fredericks. I'm excited to learn a little bit more about you, Chris. So a couple questions. What is your favorite book of all time or a favorite recent read that our leader listener audience would like to know about? It's tough to say favorite of all time. I mean, for me, two of the classics are still probably my two favorites. Good to Great is just such a good classic, great business book. And then Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I know those are kind of cliche answers maybe, but I think they're both really powerful books and that they continue to mean a lot to me. And um, I'd have to put those at the top. How about a favorite vacation spot? Pacific Northwest in general. I love the mountains and lakes and I love backpacking and hiking. So I think the Pacific Northwest has quickly become my favorite place to go. How about a favorite hobby when you're not working? It's outdoors. Backpacking is something I've gotten pretty passionate about lately. If I could, I would go on multiple like backpacking trips a year. And then Chris, how can our listeners connect with you after the show today? So they're welcome to email me, um, chrisfredericks at tvfinc.com. I'm also on Twitter. I don't tweet a lot, but Aesop Chris is my Twitter handle. All right. Today's truth you can act on. Number one, Align yourself with a group of trusted advisors who are experts in all business areas to support the ESOP consideration process and also implementation. Advisors are key to success in this process. Number two, get to know the difference between partial ESOPs and full ESOPs as you have options on the level of inclusion. Number three, as with anything new you implement, start communication with all employees as early as possible to tee up successful adoption. Allow employees to be part of the consideration process so they feel part and truly take ownership of their role in both their job description and the culture. Number four, know your end game with business ownership and future transition. The ESOP can play a big role in helping you accomplish your ideal scenario. We'll see you next week on Gut Plus Science.
We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.